Hello and welcome back to The Gold Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel O'Brien, Assistant Editor here at Gold. And it's just me today, I'm afraid, as Jade is away sunning herself on the South Coast. So we will wish her the best and look forward to having her back next week. But today I still have a very exciting conversation to share with you and it is a chat that I had with Chitak Buaria who is the Vice President of Global Commercial Operations Oncology at Merck Group. So to give you a bit of background on today's guest, Chetak has been with Merck Group since 2007. He started in the company's Mumbai office as their head of mergers and acquisitions, licensing and strategic marketing. He left India for Europe in 2012, taking a job in Switzerland before laying roots in Germany as Merck's global head of commercial excellence. As I said, he is now the Vice President of Commercial Operations for the Oncology Division, and he also holds a Master's of Pharmaceutical Sciences, an MBA, and has a true passion for all things innovation. Likewise with last week's guest, Philippe Kirby, do check that out if you haven't already, by the way. I first saw Chitak speak at Reuters Barcelona earlier this year, where he moderated a lively session on the future sales force. So in this episode today, we're going to discuss this new commercial model and the technologies that may be needed to power this new and exciting direction for the industry. Let's have a listen. So Chitak, first of all, welcome to the Gold Podcast. Welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Isabel, and uh, happy to be here uh, and uh, looking forward to our conversation and uh, yeah, delighted. Absolutely. So I actually got in touch with you after I saw you moderating a talk at Reuters, Reuters Barcelona earlier this year, and you were hosting a panel on the next generation field force. And you and your co-speakers were discussing what this future commercial model might look like. Now, I think we can all agree that there's no doubt that Pharma's present commercial model has brought a lot of success, but I think it is also clear that there's a growing appetite for more, for something different and potentially something enabled by data and technology, which is going to be a key point of our topic today. So before we get started into the meat of what this new commercial model could look like, I'd love to contextualize the conversation and say what was the appetite for this kind of model in the pharmaceutical industry before the pandemic? Yeah, I mean, before the pandemic, and maybe uh, uh, let me start uh, on a bit of a philosophical note. Uh, great that life, our life uh, is back to normal, right? Uh, uh, having Reuters event where uh, mm. a few hundred people uh, came together was completely unthinkable a couple of years ago. Uh, so good that life is back to normal, uh, but many things are not going to be the same and shouldn't be the same. Uh, uh, it's a bit of philosophical, as I said, uh, but provides us a framework to ensure that we are taking some lessons uh, from the pandemic and hopefully avoid uh, another pandemic, at least in our lifetime. Uh, with that as a philosophical context, we as industry also certainly took some lessons uh, out of the pandemic and that's how it should be. Uh, uh, and that brings me back to your question, the role of data and technology prior to pandemic was very limited. Uh, and most of the reliance was on classical uh, 
share of voice battle uh, driven by face-to-face -face engagement of field force. Uh, I mean, there were attempts uh, by the industry to drive uh, technology, uh, uh, but there was limited adoption on the ground for various reasons. Uh, uh, one of the core point was the necessity for change. That's the biggest motivator for any change, right? Uh, unless different stakeholders who are involved on the ground from the customer side, the field force, unless the need has precipitated, there is general inertia for change uh, and adoption of technology was no different. Uh, for the first time, what happened in the pandemic created a fertile ground for uh, a large-scale social experimentation with digital and technology. And we all know how it transformed our personal lives uh, and enabled to keep us going, but the industry and customers are no different. Uh, uh, for the first time, uh, uh, field force was forced to be standstill, and there was a question mark on their existence. On the other side, customers also realize that there is the value that pharmaceutical industry bring to the table in terms of access to the information, and they were willing to connect with the industry through alternative means. So there was like an ideal uh, kind of innovation environment, and that led to a lot of experimentation with technology. And uh, we have taken a lot of lessons uh, out of it uh, as an industry, and that is the rock bed of that uh, transformation that we see going forward and we can talk about it uh, but that that that's the kind of uh, transition pre and post i see uh, uh, as i look back the last uh, 3 to 4 years absolutely and and what are we looking at now what is that change and what are what are the potential outcomes that are coming from that transition yeah as i said uh, uh, both sides have taken a lot of uh, uh, good lessons out of it. From a customer's perspective, uh, there is a strong realization that uh, they don't have to meet industry field force uh, always face to face because that, let's face it, that uh, disrupts their workflow. The goal of uh, healthcare providers is to serve patients as much as they can. Uh, having said that, they see the value, as I said, the industry plays in bringing the latest information uh, uh, to facilitate their treatment and diagnosis. Uh, uh, so that leads to alternative means of engaging with customers. And uh, that is the starting point for defining that future commercial model that uh, uh, when I started as a medical rep 20 years ago, I was the only contact uh, predominantly for my customers. Uh, and now we talk about omni-channel, et cetera. So how the field force of the future will be positioned in the context where uh, there are alternative ways and sometimes even more impactful ways uh, uh, of connecting uh, uh, with the customer, but at the same time also acknowledging the fact that uh, face-to-face -face probably is the most important and effective way of driving uh, uh, change in behavior and engaging with other human beings. So let's again take the example of Reuters event where we were together. Uh, uh, the reason that people are still keen to go back and connect with each other is this intrinsic uh, uh, value of human interactions, and that's not going away. So that's also another realization. Now you 
blend these two things together will define, I would say, uh, the guardrails of future models. So let's get really specific now. Technology. What technology is really going to make an impact and how can technology be used in a way where we're retaining this human touch, but we're also making the customer experience so much better than it is already and really moving it that step forward? Yeah, the key point is enabling, uh, on one hand, uh, uh, those face-to-face conversations. So how we can make the field force of the future smarter by way of data and technology. So that's one dimension to it. Uh, uh, like we are con- uh, connecting today uh, on this podcast uh, and other means, we are re- increasingly realizing that uh, data and technology can augment the quality of conversation that happens. So so we can make those moments uh, even more impactful because uh, let's face it, the challenge for industry is that the time that uh, uh, one gets with the customer is shrinking uh, uh, for various reasons. So we want to make sure that you maximize the impact uh, of the limited time with customers. And that's where you have a big enablement coming from digital and data uh, in terms of the insights, for example, uh, that you can get uh, not only from your previous conversations with the customers, but uh, what else has happened happened with the customer since you last connected because as i said uh, the customer is contacted by other channels from your company but there is also a lot happening around the uh, uh, customer's universe and how you call out meaningful insights uh, from that and it's impossible now for an average rep to consume and analyze all these data points uh, and still drive uh, meaningful cons. So that's this whole enablement piece we talked about, which gets encapsulated that that was part of the discussion at the panel around what we call as next best action. So after looking at all the data points around you, what should be your next best action uh, with the uh, customer? So that's, that's one theme. The other theme is just driving efficiency, how, how you can get smarter. Uh, and uh, that uh, it also leads from an industry perspective about your cost of operations. Uh, the, let's face it, uh, face-to-face call is the most expensive way of connecting uh, with customers. And uh, you don't have to do it every time and you don't have to do it with every customer. Uh, so how you kind of also drive efficiency with the right blend of alternative ways of connecting with the customers while still uh, uh, taking the advantage of uh, uh, different channels that are available now at your disposal. So these are two elements you can be more effective uh, through enablement uh, of technology and uh, you can also drive some efficiencies. Fascinating. So something that came up in the talk was around not all HCPs are going to be on board with the digital journey. Mm -hmm. And what if the proportion of HCPs that are not that down with the digital journey actually end up being KOLs and they're somehow getting missed out or diverted as this model moves on? How can pharma make sure that those really important leaders are not being left behind? And that's where uh, analytics plays a huge role. Uh, We as a a marketeer believe in what we call as segment of one, which is ideally speaking, you want to treat 
each customer each uh, stakeholder as unique and that's how it should be because each uh, human being is unique uh, however uh, uh, in the past it was impossible because you are always as an industry dealing with a large set of customers and you can't be knowing uh, to the le uh, same level of details uh, everyone uh, with technology it's increasingly becoming possible to store multitude of data points that the customers are sharing with you uh, as i said through other interactions in the past where uh, to your point the physician would have reacted differently to different channels that you as a company are deploying so there in that case uh, that you are referring to you would see that uh, physician is not responding so much to uh, emails or uh, invitation to webinars but is very actively engaged when you have uh, say uh, a, a group meeting with uh, peer groups uh, of physician uh, or is generally open for an uh, occasional face so based on those data points uh, and with help of analytics behind it you can have uh, a preference of that customer and based on those preferences you can then drive your future engagement and that that's drive that will drive what we call as personalization of engagement it's interesting really i suppose it's using technology to find the people who don't like using technology yeah no indeed indeed uh, that's uh, really fascinating uh, for us at the end uh, i see technology as a mean to an end uh, the end is to drive that personalization. Again, going back to my own uh, experience when I was medical rep, uh, an average uh, medical rep is the best personalization engine because to your point, that person knows that my customer has these preferences and invariably, intuitively, you end up tailoring your uh, engagement to those needs and preferences that the customer is, uh, uh, has shown to you in the past. Now, uh, here comes technology, which just facilitates uh, that process for you and then allows you as a field force to focus on more, more meaningful part of the conversation. Another thing that you guys spoke about in the talk was about getting buy-in from senior leaders who mm -hmm. throughout their entire career have been used to getting success with face-to-face. -face, that's what they know. How do you think it's best to navigate um, instilling that change? in senior leaders is it a case of getting them to see how it goes or is it a case of everyone's just going to buy in anyway yeah uh, uh, that reminds me of what i call as abc of challenges pharmaceutical industry faces when integrating uh, data and technology into commercial operations uh, uh, and a is basically aligning data and technology with business priorities uh, to your point, when uh, the leaders see uh, these initiatives coming from technology or data uh, disconnected or they fail to see the connection with the business priority, that's where uh, you struggle with the buy-ins and uh, there is no uh, fault of theirs. They, it's how you articulate. So that's uh, the starting point, A, of my uh, uh, ABC of the challenges. Yes, you put e it much better than I did, exactly, yes. <laughs> so uh, A is aligning uh, uh, data and technology with uh, business priorities. B, for me, is building scalable and sustainable solutions. So that's another leadership classical challenge. They get overwhelmed with pilots and experimentation. Those are important uh, uh, starting points for any innovation. Don't take me wrong. 
But the struggle or one phrase that one of the senior leaders shared with me is that we as industry, uh, pharmaceutical industry, have more pilots than airline industry. And, and, and I mean, that, that, there, is, there is a profound message there that uh, we have so many pilots. Uh, what they struggle to see is that, okay, what's the roadmap for scaling and sustaining it? That's when you realize the tangible business impact. So that's the uh, building scalable and sustainable solution. And C is what uh, you are alluding to is around change management. Uh, technology, data, these are enablers. At the end, you are talking about human beings and processes. Uh, how you drive those behavior changes. Uh, at the end, someone is using those technology unless that person is fully on board and uh, see value in the technology and tool. Uh, any tool will not make a difference. So these are my ABC of challenges uh, uh, that uh, uh, we need to tackle as we drive adoption of uh, technology and data in pharmaceutical industry. And what was your personal view when all this started coming about? Were you all for it or were you resistant at any point? Yeah, and that's how I describe myself as a digital immigrant or someone who came from that world where, as a rep, we were filling paper forms. There was no CRM as sophisticated as it is today. Starting from there, it helps you to stay grounded and ask some of the basic questions without getting overwhelmed by technology. As I said, uh, and I keep reminding uh, myself and my team all the time, is that the technology is mean to an end. We, we, at least I can talk for pharmaceutical industry, we are not in the business of selling uh, technology and tools. Uh, uh, our goal is to bring the best that science can offer uh, to solve diseases and challenges that patients face with their diseases. Uh, uh, so that's the goal. In the process, uh, data and did, uh, technology is uh, enabling us to get better and faster, hopefully. So, so with that uh, 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 as a frame, it helps you to then enter into a conversation with experts who are uh, uh, experts in the given technology. They are experts when it comes to data science. Uh, and those expertise are valuable for the industry. Those expertise were lacking most of the time in the past. So this is the fresh blood, I would say. But then to engage in a conversation with them, it's also very healthy to keep uh, kind of the balance in check uh, between uh, how we translate the promise of data and technology into business impact. Very interesting. Now we've spoken about the model and how it is changing and how it might change. It seems like sales reps of the future are going to have to wear lots of different hats, um, more so than they ever have before. So aside from a willingness to get on board with technology and see its value, which I think we can all agree is a positive thing, what new skills, what tangible skills will future sales reps need that you just didn't need before? Yeah, uh... Two or three points uh, that are uh, generally emerging also when I speak, uh, uh, like through the this panel interaction and also through uh, other conversation with my peer group in the industry, increasingly you see that uh, uh, industry is gravitating towards uh, what we call a uh, single point of contact. And that makes a lot of sense from a customer's perspective uh, because customer don't understand uh, 
sales, medical, uh, market access, different functions in the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, for them, it's one company. And uh, ideally, they want to have one person to relate with who can then help uh, to channelize the, their queries and information needs. So, uh, so that's the ask from a customer centricity perspective, uh, which then leads us back to that uh, future rep uh, which means that uh, from a capability standpoint, uh, you need to have much more versatility in your capability and skill set compared to a relatively unidimensional approach that uh, was in the past where the role was predominantly to deliver key messages and then uh, how you see you drive your sales. So we no longer have sales rep uh, anymore in the industry uh, because sales gets realized through uh, different uh, uh, levels through payers and through governments. Uh, what you drive uh, with physician is all about education and awareness and helping them find the right answers to their questions. So this whole point around single point of contact, uh, the other skill set uh, which is increasingly becoming important is how you play the role of an orchestrator vis-a-vis uh, -vis messenger, uh, which was the older model. Uh, so orchestrator, meaning you, it's not only important for you to deliver your part of the role, but keeping an eye on what else might be happening with that customer. And we talked about it uh, earlier in the conversation uh, and how you kind of connect the dots and bring that back into your conversation to take it to the next level. Uh, and the Last point is comfortable to leverage uh, uh, data-driven engagement model. The fact that uh, nowadays there are multitude of data points uh, for you to connect with. Uh, your customer is uh, leaving a lot of fingerprints on social media and uh, through social networking. For example, the customer is speaking at an event and how you bring that uh, into your conversation when you meet face-to-face -face or uh, uh, how, how you kind of just leverage, uh, for example, we talked about this uh, segmentation and profiling and personalization of customers uh, through advanced analytics. So uh, leveraging data is another uh, skill set, I would say. So these are uh, three uh, key ones top of my mind. And is there anything you were talking about that one point of contact? Is there anything you think going into this new model, sales reps could really learn from medical reps or vice versa? Yeah, I mean, and as I said, uh, those, at least from a customer standpoint, uh, those boundaries are uh, diminishing. Uh, and I, I use the words carefully because from, at the same time, uh, uh, we have obligation from a compliance standpoint uh, uh, because uh, what messages we deliver to the customers uh, are also uh, driven by what uh, regulations prevail in the country where we operate. Uh, having said that, to your point, what is happening is that at least from a mind uh, knowledge perspective, uh, we want to make sure that uh, irrespective of where the field force is sitting in the organization structure, from a knowledge standpoint between medical and commercial, they should have equal knowledge of uh, scientific uh, facts and uh, 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 scientific science behind your product. Uh, now, what you can or cannot communicate is, of course, driven by your interaction policy, uh, which is a separate point. Uh, but from a knowledge standpoint, uh, that's that's where we see uh, there's a lot that uh, commercial organization can learn from medical.
Absolutely. And it's certainly been something I've been hearing over the past couple of months as well, which is why I wanted to get your opinion on it. Now, Chetak, my last question, we always like to end on a fun question. And Uh this one's going to be a bit more about you. So you've worked in pharma for a number of years. If you hadn't chosen pharma as your chosen career, where do you think you would be and why? This is a tough one, but probably the easier one as well as I think about it. Uh, the easier bit being that uh, my uh, I'm an, uh, like I'm third generation pharmacist, uh, so somewhere uh, uh, this profession is in my blood. My grandfather uh, uh, was in pharmaceutical business. My father and me. Uh, so when I was growing up, this was just natural. I grew up. Uh, playing with medicines and uh, seeing patients walking into our community pharmacy. And uh, uh, that shaped also my uh, uh, kind of uh, outlook towards uh, that future profession. Uh, It was clear that I want to do something meaningful uh, to make a difference to the life of the patients and caregiver around uh, them. Uh, So so that was the kind of a North Star driving me. So uh, if not... uh, uh, in this, uh, I would have somewhere in this ecosystem eventually uh, doing something to make a difference to life of a patient. It could be a physician, could be nurse, uh, uh, yeah, uh, but within this uh, ecosystem probably. But always within this sector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Chetak, thank you very much. That was a very insightful conversation. Uh, lots to be covered, I think, across the commercial model. But thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. Thank you, Isabel. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, yeah, uh, looking forward to reconnecting in the future. And there we have it. It was absolutely lovely to speak to Chetak. I really enjoyed hearing his thoughts on the new commercial model and especially the part where we were discussing how to not alienate healthcare professionals as pharma goes on this new digital journey. I think some of the considerations that he raised were super important for the whole industry to keep in mind. But sadly, that is all we have time for this week. Thank you once again to Chetak for joining us on the show. And thank you to you for listening. As I said, Jade will be back next week and we will be bringing you another wonderful interview with a fabulous face in pharma. Until then, it's goodbye from me and I'll see you next week.